Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Hello, hello. This is Mary. Welcome to episode two of Fruit Pursuit. Today we're going to be talking about gentleness. I'm so excited to have you joining me today. We've had a great day so far, some weeding, some cleaning the house. We went for a swim in the pool because it was really hot today. And now my kids are so delighted to be sitting in front of a movie with some nachos and just really enjoying the evening. So I get to spend some time with you. Today, I really want to talk about this concept of gentleness in the context of a story about my children when they were really little. So sit back and relax for a minute. I'm going to give you a little once upon a time. So once upon a time, when my oldest children were really small, I would say around the ages of two and three, you know, my oldest two boys, they are only 15 months apart. So they really have grown up very much together and in a lot of ways have really gone through the same stages much at the same time. And this is definitely a story about one of those moments where they were learning something similar together. So picture yourself taking care of a little two and three-year-old. I actually had another child also at the time, but he was actually asleep in bed. (laughs) But so two and three-year-old, and by the end of the day, you're just exhausted. That's where we were. Um, I was tired. My husband was tired, but we really hadn't spent a lot of time together. And so at the end of the day, we put our children to bed And we're thinking, oh, they're finally in bed, sound asleep, close the door. And then we went down the hall to watch a movie. So we watched our movie. It was great. We actually had a friend there. And when we went back to just check on them, we discovered that they were not in their beds and, in fact, had gone downstairs to the kitchen and had created, well, depending on their perspective or mine, their perspective was they had created a magnificent picnic. My perspective was that they had created a magnificent mess in the living room. I'm not sure that I can adequately describe this just over an audio, but I'm going to try. So picture yourself walking into the living room and there sit your two and three-year-old son's in these cute little adorable red and blue plastic chairs at a little wooden coffee table. They're all pulled up, minding their manners and having a wonderful time with all of the foods that they have chosen from the kitchen to enjoy. It was probably about 1030 at night, honestly, and they must have been working for the entire time we had been at that movie because across the couch there were dozens of eggs 
Some of them cracked and some of them not. There were napkins. There were, there was some juice. There was Dawn dish soap. There was um, crackers and just all kinds of things from the refrigerator. Orange juice, um, cheese, everything lined up across one couch. And then the couches were in an L shape. And so the second couch had just as many things on it. There was cereal and popcorn and candy and cookies and chips and vegetables, anything that you could imagine. Then on the coffee table in between the two of them sat I, I believe, as I remember, a little bowl full of M&Ms. I think they were peanut M&Ms. And then one of these large containers of Oreo cookies that they had very meticulously taken apart and, yes, cleaned out the cream inside each one of the cookies and then stacked all of the cookies back into the container. They had eaten all the cream and left all the cookies. And there they were having this delightful time. They had pulled out plates from their plate kitchen. They had set up cups of of water for them to drink. They were having the time of their lives. Now, if you have been a parent and have ever experienced this, you know the mixed reaction that you have in one of these moments when you sh- when you go in there and you find your kids doing something hilarious and not okay. <laughs> you don't really know whether to laugh or whether to cry because you're about to have to clean it all back up or whether to be just flaming mad that they're out of bed again or really disappointed because you were looking forward to eating the Oreo cookies or a little bit scared because you're not really sure if they were going to eat the dish soap and really maybe relieved because there's not eggshells all over the floor. Somehow they managed to crack eggs and not end up leaving a complete disaster everywhere or maybe just concern about the danger and a little bit fearful like It could have been so much worse. I had no idea that they were down here. And what if they had done something else so much more dangerous? Well, that it really is such a mixed feeling when we jump into a situation like that and want to really, we want to really express all of those emotions at the same time. Thankfully, in this moment, The thing that I did was I actually went and got a camera and took a picture and enjoyed being able to capture that moment. That's not always my, my expect, my expectation of myself though. Like I know that sometimes in the moment losing it is what is what often happens. I just get really frustrated or I just get so in the zone of cleaning everything up that I forget to actually just enjoy the moment of the childish shenanigans that are going on in that moment. So, but yes, we did take a picture and enjoy the moment. And then came the concern of what are we going to say? 
what things need to be addressed. How do I talk to them? They're two and three years old. And everything that's running through my mind, I just want to tell them all those things. How, you know, just all the things. Things like, how how could you even think of getting out raw eggs? That's not safe. It's not okay to eat raw eggs. Um, you made a mess on the floor. Uh, let's let's back up and just say you're not supposed to be out of bed. And why, you know, this is not okay. It's not okay that you came downstairs to get out and got out of bed. I want to tell them that it's not really okay to eat the middle of the cookie and leave the rest of the cookie on in the package. It's not okay to eat the middle and not the rest. It's also not to put okay to put things back in the container that you already put in your mouth. It's not really okay to just eat candy and not have nutritious things. We definitely don't eat dish soap, right? <laughs> um, do you see where I'm going? Like, there's so many aspects of this. There were things that I wanted to praise, like they had chairs and they were minding their manners, but I didn't dare praise them because this is a wrong thing that they're busy doing. So I don't want to sit there and focus on the things that are all right. Um, but they had napkins out like they were wiping their mouths while juice was on the was on the couch. I wanted to talk to them about how we don't eat in the living room. And I wanted to address the fact that I was really nervous about the fact that they were, I think the flat of eggs that they had in there had 30 eggs. Like it was one of these big square things. And I just wanted to tell them um, that's not really safe for you to carry around. I don't want you carrying around them. So my mind was just racing. If you can picture your mind just racing of all the things that are so messed up and need to be addressed. And I think that's when I finally was able to just laugh at myself and I just didn't even know where to start. Well, I think it's a good thing that I didn't know where to start because it gave me a minute to actually pause. And I think that this particular story of this late night picnic is such a good picture of the opportunity that we have to apply gentleness to our lives. So one of my favorite verses in the Bible in, relation, in relationship to gentleness is from Isaiah 40, verse 11. It says, it's talking about Jesus. It says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. You know, in that moment, there were so many things I could have addressed in the situation of this late night picnic. But I knew they wouldn't remember them all. I knew I had to pick one most important thing in that moment. And I had to just let all of the rest go because they were going to miss them anyway. And if I muddled it with a thousand things that they needed to do different, then it would be so overwhelming. There was a really good chance that they wouldn't remember any of them. And so I asked myself which was the most important, and it was really clear that the most important thing in that moment was that it just wasn't okay to get out of bed and come downstairs, that they had been told to go to bed, they were in their beds, and that once they're in bed, unless they're coming to get us or they need something that they really like important, they really are supposed to stay in bed. And they had been fed and it's not okay. 
for them to get out of bed and come get food. So I'm really focused on this is not okay. You need to stay in your bed as my one major thing. Now, my question for you is how good or how well, I guess, is the better way of saying it. How well are are you capable of really allowing yourself some gentleness on your own parenting? It's easy to see in this particular example that gentleness was was only choosing one thing and pointing that out and letting the rest go that that really was an an example of gentleness to them but how often do we do that with ourselves do we apply that same gentleness to the expectations that we place on ourselves about our roles as a spouse or our role as a parent or maybe as a child or a sibling or an educator or a coworker or an entrepreneur or a Christian. Sadly, I think a lot of the time, because as adults, we see all of our shortcomings and can easily, well, maybe not all of them, but we see a lot of them and we can easily get overwhelmed by feeling the need to address all of them. And it robs us so much of our joy at being successful in an area because we're so busy looking at all of the other areas that aren't working. You know, sometimes I think of motherhood as a magician or a juggler that is juggling these little balls in the air. And there's so many balls that the juggler isn't skilled enough to keep all the balls in the air at the same time. And so I have this picture in my mind as a mom of this juggler running around the house and picking up a ball and throwing it in the air so that it'll have a little bit of airtime off the ground. And then she runs over and picks up another ball and throws it up in the air. And so there's just this, this frantic sort of, we've got to get somehow got to get all the balls off the floor for at least some amount of time in order to be able to say that we're successfully juggling all the balls. The truth is that that tactic of just running around, picking balls off the floor and chucking them into the air isn't actually going to make us a more skilled juggler. It's not going to cause us to be able to juggle more balls. Actually, what happens is we really must practice juggling a few balls at a time and get really good and then add in one. Isn't that how people learn? They first learn how to do one and then they learn how to do two at the same time and then maybe three. And once they've got three down really well, then they add a fourth. But they don't go in there and like see all 20 balls and think, okay, now we're going to tackle 20 because that's how many The goal is, so we're going to do all 20 at the same time. No, not to begin with, (laughs) but we don't do that as parents. And so a lot of times, well, this is the opportunity to really see how taking that same obvious example of exhibiting gentleness to my children in that moment of having a late night picnic and apply it in a practical way to us as parents. And one way that I do that is to have a word to focus on. I call it a way of being. So 
a lot of people focus on a word at the beginning of a year and like, okay, this is going to be my word focus for the year, which is great. But I love having one about every week. I love choosing a word at the beginning of a week and really honing in on, I'm going to focus on this particular word. What it does, it doesn't prohibit me from taking care of things and owning my responsibilities, but it does allow me some sort of central focus that creates some peace in my life because I am clear that this is the one thing that I'm working on right now. So take something like consistent, for example. That's a word that I've used over the years a lot of times as my word to focus on or my way of being. I'm going to choose to be consistent. Well, one way that this comes to mind is in dealing with children who are struggling to stay in bed at night. And so just like in the story before, there's this struggle that happens with young kids and trying to get them to stay in their beds. And I think that the frustration not only comes from them getting up, but also from we as the parents really like, I wanted to do something else with my time. But as a if I'm focusing as my way of being of is consistency, if my way of being is consistency and trying to maintain a good consistent pattern so that they, my children learn how to be able to count on that, then what that looks like is being really consistent in our evening bedtime routines and in how I handle when they are getting up and when they're, trying to come up with new ideas and things like that. So my husband and I, for a while, while they were having trouble getting up at night, we actually dubbed the time of night where we were working on bedtime stuff, the hour of uselessness. I'm sure some of you can really relate to this because, I mean, if you're really trying to keep them in bed, a lot of times there really is no other thing that you're going to get done besides just the consistency of helping them learn that, yes, in fact, you are going to stay in bed. But we ended up having it. It was so much of a struggle that we ended up having to take it to another level. And we not only dubbed it the hour of uselessness, but we just settled in that that's what it was going to take. It was just going to take a while of being consistent, even if we got nothing else done. And I remember very well us taking turns with a chair in the hall right outside their door with maybe a book. These days, it would probably be a cell phone, but back then, we didn't have a cell phone. And so we would sit there with a book or something to read sitting outside their door so that when they got out of bed and started to come out of their room, we would be sitting there saying, nope, time to go back to bed. Honestly, they had had all their needs met and they were just kind of restless and having trouble going to sleep right away. And they kept each other up. They would talk and they would squirm and they would be silly. And so in order to kind of cut down on that and really build the habit that helped their bodies get tired at the right time, then we would sit there in the evenings. And it did eventually change. They did begin to consistently go on to sleep when they not only realized there was no hope because we were all the way outside the door, but also 
when they um, they realized that we were going to take care of all of their needs before they went to bed and remind them that they had them taken care of. They had had their water. They had their pajamas or their clean clothes or their diapers changed or whatever they needed. All of their needs were met. And we were there to remind them that now was the time to sleep. They knew they could count on it. And gradually they were able to go to sleep. I tell you, having that one word focus of being consistent really helped sort of stave off the feelings of guilt when I wasn't really accomplishing anything else in the evening, when there was still laundry to fold or when there was um, toys that needed to be picked up and they weren't picked up or when I got finished with the kids and sitting outside in the hallway and my husband and I really hadn't spent any time together or just countless other things, the dishes weren't washed or whatever, you name it, whatever it was, I could feel guilty about not getting multiple things done in the evening until I realized that my primary goal was going to be consistency. And in that moment, that meant I was going to sit outside their door and support them building the habit of going to bed well. It just takes so much pressure off and it feels so much more peaceful. Like this is how, this is evidence of like, this is, this is an example of how God treats us. Like he knows that we have hundreds of things wrong with us, but he doesn't, he doesn't come in and, push on all of the sore spots all at the same time. He knows that that's too much. That's why I like that verse, that he gently leads those that are with young, that he's gentle to us. And it reminds me that if he's gentle to me, then I can be gentle with me. And if he's gentle with me, then I can be gentle to my kids. You know, another thing that I used to give myself a hard time about is just really high expectations around mealtimes. I used to think that because I could cook exceptionally well and I had a lot of creativity and I was really capable of a lot of variety, that that meant that I should be cooking with a lot of variety and high capabilities and making really amazing meals. And because I could come up with really incredible menus, I really needed to be doing that on a regular basis, but they wouldn't always be on time and I was exhausted and it was really hard to choose between make a fancy meal and get the diapers washed because in in those earlier days I was still doing cloth diapering. There was so much to do and yet when I really bring in the word consistency it really helped me realize that the thing that I needed to focus on was something healthy, something timely, again, to help them su- help support my family in having a really consistent evening routine. If I'm having fancy stuff that has that takes longer to make, it's really hard to get them to go to bed at the same time because I don't serve dinner at the same time. But doing something more simple that I can count on how long it takes to make it and it takes less energy to figure it out or I know the recipe by heart or we frequently have the ingredients on hand and so there's not a lot of stress about whether or not I got this or that special thing from the store. 
really allowed me to kind of settle down our mealtime routines, make them simple and consistent in the timing of them. Maybe it was a little bit less variety, but variety can be a different word for a different week. We can work on variety and creativity another time. In that moment of the word being consistent, it made it easy to see what the priorities were at the time and to really develop habits in that area that were important to me. And like I said, it's really easy to pick a different word another time and that can be the focus. Whether it's creativity or kindness or thoroughness or perseverance, sometimes, you know, or joy, love, all those kind of my way of being is going to be um, exceptional, you know, like you can pick any kind of words, but I really love being able to, as a way to exhibit gentleness to my family, hone in on one way of being. What is going to be my way of being to my family this week? And it really helps settle a lot of questions and decision making all around. I think it really allows us to stay focused on one thing at a time and allows us to learn that thing really well. Incidentally, this is how we learn how to exercise or how to do math or it's how we teach our kids to ride a bike. We don't go out there and say, hey, buddy, okay, we're going to learn all the sports today. We're going to spend five minutes on a bike and five minutes jumping rope and five minutes hitting a baseball and five minutes pulling weeds and five minutes doing cartwheels. No, 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 no. Those might all be things that they would need to learn, but no, we go out there and we work for a really focused amount of time on how to ride a bike. And then we say good job and we take a break (laughs) and none of the other skills possibly got addressed at all that day, just the bike riding. But That's how we develop the skill that we know that's how we develop the skill with other people. And my encouragement to you is that we can apply that same gentleness to ourselves because God is applying that same amount of gentleness to us. So my one question to you is, well, I guess I have two really. First of all, Choose a way of being this week. What is your way of being? What are you you going to focus on? And then my second question is, how can you be gentle with yourself today? What's one step that you can take action on today that says, here's a way that I can incorporate being gentle into my life? All right. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you next week. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the Spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?